Hi everyone, this is Marla Isaacson, and you are listening to another episode of Mind of a Mentor. As a young entrepreneur, Maggie and team was drawn to the rush of developing successful partnerships with Fortune 500 sports, entertainment, and technology companies. But breaking into marketing and eventually building her own startup proved to be no easy task. Maggie felt the weight of many different struggles and had to overcome numerous challenges along the way. Through it all, Maggie was determined to keep pushing forward towards accomplishing her goals using pure hustle and grit. Maggie's story is a testament to the success women can find through empowering one another to continue to persevere when things get tough. Chasing after your dreams is not always easy, but Maggie is here to share why it's always worth it. Maggie, welcome and thanks for joining us tonight. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. Thank you so much, uh, Marla, for this opportunity. Um, I'm so grateful for this, and I love, you know, I love to just be able to share my story. What I'd like to do is have you start from the beginning, because I think it's always interesting for people to talk about where they're from, their childhood, and how their interests started to evolve as they were young. So if you can give me a sense of, Maggie, what part of the country are you from and what were your interests, et cetera? Absolutely. So I was um, born in Brooklyn, raised in Queens. Uh, my family comes from Ghana in West Africa and Jamaica. And so being, you know, being born to two immigrants to two different countries and growing up with the values and morals and understanding that education comes first before anything. That was something that I always um, just kept in the back of my mind because I knew how important it was. And I was raised by my grandparents. Um, and so being raised by them, it was strict, you know, a strict household. It was like you had to go to school. And by the time you graduated from high school, you had to get a job. And, you know, but you had to get a good job and, and you had to go to a good college. And that was the big thing. So <clears throat> we didn't really talk about entrepreneurship, but I remember my grandfather teaching me um, mathematics because he was a finance major and he was working on Wall Street for Morgan Stanley and, and Goldman Sachs. And he would always tell me, you know, if you, if you understood the numbers, you know, then you would understand anything in life. Right. And so I kind of by then took that time to just focus on perfecting my um, you know, mathematics uh, skills and being able to count without the calculator and, and just all those different things. And so growing up in uh, Jamaica, Queens, and, you know, being from a place where not many of us were able to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, make it out, you know? And so having right. guys like 50 Cent or um, marketing mogul uh, Steve Stout, you know, to just grow up two blocks from each of these guys and to see what they've accomplished now, it's like, oh, I can do this. <clears throat> and so from there, there weren't many women. So I had a lot of the males to look up to, to say, okay, I need to mirror my career somewhat after this guy, but it's going to be different. And I want to do this and bring more women, um, you know, to follow behind my lead. So, you know, just growing up there. And when I got to high school, I went to Cardozo High School. I ran for president and was voted as like the first 
uh, female president and the first black president. And this is probably like 2004. And I was like, hey, um, wow. you know, one of these days we are going to have a female president, we are going to have a black president, and lo and behold, um, it ended up happening with uh, uh, Barack Obama. So right. that was very, that was interesting because it just made me think back to say, hey, you know, dreams do come true. And, um, you know, if you dream and you dream big and you focus on that dream, that dream will definitely um, come true. And you'll be able to accomplish that. And that's what I used to do all the time. I just used to write in my journal and say, okay, I have dreams of owning my own company and I have dreams of, you know, working for some of these big global brands and learning how they operate and then be able to take those skills and use that to build up my company. And it's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. You went to Cardoza, which is elected (laughs) president, of course, (laughs) I could tell. Um, which is super, a real boss girl back then. What were yep. your interests? I mean, were you involved in, were there marketing clubs? Or what yeah, were your so interests? I was involved with like yeah. a marketing club. I um, didn't do too many clubs, though. I did, did like uh, marketing. And then uh, I was always into sports and, and, you know, playing basketball, but didn't really want to play because of certain WNBA players like Tina Charles who kind of, I used to play with her in the park and just, you know, I was from there. It was like, that was it. That was it. Yeah. She like blocked my shot one day and I was like, yeah, that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. So, um, (laughs) you know, like just playing basketball and, but then having that love and passion for music. And I think my love for music started when I was about six years old. And I remember listening to Nas's first album, uh, Illmatic. And, you know, I was like, man, who is this guy? And my uncle's like, yeah, you know, I cut his hair. And I'm like, no way. Like, who, who? no way. So when he showed me the photos and I was like, wow. I was like, man, I would love to meet him one day, but I would love to like work his project because I feel like people don't market him enough. And I started doing research on just marketing and how to market an artist. And I was like, no, there's got to be a better way. But the only way I was able to get that experience is by stepping into a record label. So when you fast forward, Um, right around the time when I was going to college, I remember my aunt ended up getting a position at Atlantic Records. And I was like, oh, man, I was like, you got to let me come in here and and just shadow you to see what you do. And she was like, sure. And I remember she was working on artists like Trey Songz. She was like one of the first people to discover Trey Songz. And, you know, she's like, listen to this guy's uh, sample CD and tell me what you think. And I'm like, huh? And I was like, wait, this guy's got a nice voice. I was like, who is he? And then she started giving me the whole breakdown. And I was like, wow. And, you know, to see her be a part of that and work with T.I. and Little Kim and Fat Joe and all of these artists from um, Atlantic Records, I was proud of her. And I was like, yeah, I want to do that. What ended up happening is I then had a next friend, um, Sean Money Excel, who was working with 50 Cent at the time. And I was like, Sean Money, you got to let me come in like intern. Like I'll get coffee or whatever. And he's like, listen, go to college. When you're in college, then you can intern. Because at the time, I was still in high school. So he's like, go to college. Right. And, you know, once you start in college, we'll do this. And I said, oh, man, I know what that means. So by the time I got into college, um, I started my college career at um, Hofstra University and mm-hmm. right in Long Island. And that's where, you know, I was able to see so many different people. I mean, like my, my next door neighbor within my dorm was um, one of the Gotti twins or whatever, the son. And he would always have these parties, and he was like, yeah, we can do this and do that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, 
this is wild. But uh, I was like, this is cool. Lo and behold, some of my actual classmates uh, was one of the gentlemen, Marcus Colston, who is now like an NFL retiree, played about 10 years with the New Orleans Saints, and we're still good friends till this day. So it was, it was pretty awesome to like share that and know that, wow, the guy sitting next to me ended up becoming one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And, you know, it's, it's just that, it's, it's like that dream, right? To say, okay, wow, right. if this person can have this dream, then I know I can dream too. Just curious. So you, you knew you had this entrepreneurial um, instinct. Yes. You mm-hmm. did your manifesting in your journal, which is super yep. cool. When you were in college, did you have a sense of, gee, I need to study X, Y, and Z? Were you a business yes. major? So when I, yep. So when I started at Hofstra, my biggest problem is I wanted to do everything. My love for technology started in high school. I was like, okay, I didn't really want to do, I didn't really want to be a mathematician like my grandfather wanted, but I was like, okay, when I get to school, I definitely have to study business because I want to learn all the fundamentals and everything necessary to start my own business. That way I don't need to hire a whole bunch of people to tell me something that I don't have the knowledge of. Um, and then my love for technology. So I said, well, if I go to Hofstra, I can double major. And I decided to study business and engineering, computer engineering to be exact, because I love to like take apart things and like, you know, around the house, I would fix things. The microwave's broken, I'd end up fixing it. The computer's not working. Oh Wanting to just, you know, take all those things. And my grandmother's like, you do too much. You gotta, you gotta do one thing, you know? So I'm like, no, no, you can't tell me to only do one thing. So, um, from there, you know, I ended up leaving Hofstra, uh, just, you know, had some personal stuff going on and mm-hmm. I then had to leave. And so I had to take time off and just work, 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 work. And then I went back to school and ended up getting a scholarship to go to Brooklyn College. And that's where, at the time, they didn't have the engineering uh, degree, but they had business. And I said, okay, well, if I finish with business, I can always go back for, and pursue that engineering degree. But I knew I wanted to do more with business. so. Um, from there, the opportunity arose for me to intern, and I applied at Universal uh, Music Group, and I applied to Atlantic, and I had an interview with Atlantic Records, but had to wait, and the wait was so long that by the time Universal called me, and they were like, hey, we're going to put you in this digital department. I'm like, huh? Digital? I was like, I don't know about that. So I said, oh, boy, let's see how this goes, and I did, I did right. a phone interview. I did a phone interview, and the next day um, ended up getting the internship because she just felt like, you know, she didn't want to interview anyone else because the one thing she said to me was, I hired you because you're passionate. Like, I can hear the passion about music, the passion about the business. And she's like, a lot of people just don't understand that. And so that made me very happy to hear and just knew that, okay, I was making the right decision. I always wanted this. So I then uh, interned in the digital and new business department, which is now digital marketing and brand partnerships. And throughout that internship, that was the best um, internship I've ever had because it it opened up my eyes to so many things of how the music business really worked, but also Mm -hmm. how the department that I was in was only six people and it was growing. And um, one of the opportunities was to work on Nas's upcoming album at that time which was called Life is Good and that was like his 12th album or whatnot and um, I said yeah I'm going to create something really cool for this so I ended up creating a micro site and the micro site what it did was engage his Twitter fans to be able to um, take part in a lyric contest where 
wow. the song, yeah, the main song that he had was called Daughters, and the goal was to target single fathers or just fathers in general with their daughters, and they would have to tweet part of the song lyrics and show a picture of themselves with their daughter. And so it was a great campaign. We had about, what, about 1.5 million impressions. Um, so it was awesome. It was awesome. I was so happy. And it was through that, that campaign that I ended up getting hired and, you know, being a part of the team and just working and coming up with so many different uh, brand partner ideas for Justin Bieber, Rihanna, um, Taylor Swift, Kanye, Jay-Z, every artist that was on the roster. We're talking about 220 artists in a span from two different record labels. And so, so how, long just, were, how long were you at Universal for? I was only there for a short time. I would say maybe about, it was like almost a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about almost a year. And then I wanted to explore some more. So I then went to um, MTV and started to kind of learn how the media side works of the business. And that was really good. I got a chance to do work with uh, CMT, the country music channel, as well as MTV, VH1, all the music and entertainment um, networks for Viacom. So that was a really good experience. Spent about a year there as well. And then something was calling me back to music. That, If you remember when I told you how I reached out you know, to Sean Money, that dream of working with 50, that was already in my journal from 2004 to say, okay, this guy's blowing up, but he's from my neighborhood and, and I want to work with him. I want the opportunity to work with him. So when you fast forward, about nine years later, that dream came true. So in uh, 2013, when I left MTV, I reached out to my cousin who was then working with him. And I said, hey, you know, are they hiring? And he's like, no, they're not hiring. And I said, okay, but I still got to find a way in. I'm going to find a way in. And so I reached out to an A&R, uh, Dre McKenzie. And uh, Dre said, well, you know, we're not really hiring. But he's like, I mean, you can come in and work a couple of hours or something like that. And maybe from there we'll see where that goes. And I said, okay. I'm willing to do that because when you're passionate about something and you love it, you do what you have to do to make it work. And um, right. that's something that I always tell people nowadays, always take an internship. I mean, I've had about four or five internships before I even ended up, you know, getting my foot in the door, like really having that experience. So um, I, you know, started all over again and worked and stayed with 50 for about three years, but it was the best uh, label experience ever because imagine having that dream of working with someone and you go back to your journal and you update it nine years later and say, wow, I could check this off because the dream was accomplished. While working with 50, I learned so much um, about entrepreneurship from him. And, and, you know, he and I would talk about just different business ventures. And I would say, you know, what make you want to do this? Or what make you want to do that? You know, what would make you want to pursue this versus the music. And one of the things he said that resonated with me was that he always wanted to be different and always wanted to do things different. And I said, well, yeah, I'm the same way. I always wanted to do things different. Didn't want to, you know, I don't want to imitate or kind of do what everybody else is doing. So um, I then started putting different things together for him, opportunities to where I said, okay, we got to try to get him more into the technology scene. And so I would go out to San Francisco, go to all these different conferences, um, attend conferences in New York where they were more technology focused and just network, volunteer. The volunteering opportunities then turned into consulting gigs the, the next go year round. So 
the following year, there's one company I volunteered with called uh, Mobile Week. That following year, ended up getting hired to consult with them on just bringing that music and technology space together. So I then created a panel that featured some really well-known people within the music industry and just how they, you know, were using technology for their everyday lives. And from there, it kind of just took off. And that's when I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be the next thing I want to really focus on. But that's, but I, I was still searching for my business and what my business was because I was so, so great at building relationships but I just didn't know how to fully connect the dots and, and wasn't sure, you know, what my business would, um, you know, what it would entail. So I think what's really interesting, Maggie, is how, you know, from your internships in college and your early um, work at, uh, you know, Viacom and Universal, you were really building on your skill set, which I think is really important thing to, to talk about, which is, Absolutely. You, you started in high school where you really focused on math and marketing, and it seems like every step of the way, your your intention was to build your skill set. So tell Absolutely. me how you how you ha had that sort of sense because that's really important um, in terms of putting together a portfolio of skills. Absolutely. So. It's very important to focus on your skill sets and focus on perfecting it. I mean, nowadays, Marla, I, I sometimes have to laugh because I see people where, you know, they're not focusing, right, like, like you said, on the skill set. If your mm -hmm. skill set is marketing and you know that it's marketing, perfect that. You know, whether it's learning a new um, digital tool or just learning how to create a better presentation to be able to sell, you know, as a marketer, those were things that I wanted to focus on. And so every position that I've ever held, whether it was an internship or a full-time gig, I wanted to perfect being a marketer. I wanted to perfect mm -hmm. being someone that could connect the dots. And I'm still working on that. Have I perfected it yet? No, but I'm still working on it every day, but I keep that in my mind is, you know, is to say, okay, how do I become a better marketer every day? So I think bottom line is it takes a lot of hard work and dedication. Yes. Yes. And you, and you have to do the homework too. You have to do the research. You have to read. You have to educate yourself on all the different trends, especially nowadays with technology. Things are going so fast. So you have to, you have to be in the know. And I think for me, starting from like high school days, I was always, you know, like my family would always tell me, don't rush to grow up, right? But they would always say, I, I was always a, ahead of my years, at least by like five to 10 years. Because when I was like 15, I was thinking about what I wanted to do at 25. And when I was, you know, 10, I was like, okay, by the time I hit 20 or 30, this is what I want to do. And, and so, you know, I always try to think about that and, and just think about how the business world would be in five years or 10 years. And, you know, just trying so to keep you, up with all the different trends. So you got experience, did your internships, mm -hmm. had some, mm -hmm. like, amazing, awesome jobs, but you mentioned mm -hmm. that you had this entrepreneurial desire. So, yeah, so talk about that and, and, and what that absolutely. was about and what your thinking was about in terms of how to go from transitioning from working at these 
extremely cool, amazing companies to say, yeah, I want to do it on my own. It came to me, I would say 2014, it came to me. That's when it really hit me. Um, I was still working with 50, but I was receiving so many phone calls and emails and from just different business managers, um, different brands, you know, brands would say, hey, I need to, oh, I'm looking for an artist. And we hear you're like the go-to person that knows how to connect the dots. Or like you're, you're in tune with which artists are doing what. And, you know, from there, I mean, I was like, okay, this, this, this is something, something's like something is, is working here. And um, I then was called to do an event for, I think it was NBA All-Star Weekend, like 2015, um, which was in New York. And so it was to do an event. And I was like, oh, okay, this, this should be fun. And, you know, I was already doing stuff for 50, running around. Everybody knew me as that, that person that's like, that's 50's girl right there. Like she's always, you know, nonstop and doing this and because I would network and then bring all of that right back to 50 and say, hey, Chris, mm-hmm. this is what we got to do. We got to do this deal with, with Uber or we got to do this deal with this company. And while I was putting those things together, I was like, wait a minute, these are great partnerships that I'm over here building. And at the time he was launching his sports, his boxing promotions company, uh, SMS Boxing. And he's like, hey, work on this, work on getting sponsors for this. And I was like, yeah, this is cool because if I were able to create brand partnerships for music artists, the same thing to go out and get a sponsor um, and have them come in and partner for the event or create some type of long-lasting partnership. And from there, it just kept building and growing and growing. And I said, okay, you know, the demand was starting to pick up a lot, where I then received a call from, like, one of Drake's managers to assist with an event for Toronto um, NBA All-Star. And I was like, okay, now I know I got to, like, really step it up, but I have to do an amazing job because to get – the attention of, you know, guys like Drake or whether it was Nicki Minaj or, you know, just any artist or top talent for that matter, I need to make sure that I understand what I'm doing and this is this is what's going to help me build my business. And um, that was the one thing I was told from Drake's manager. He's like, he's like, Mags, you need to um, start a business because if everybody's coming to you for it, why don't you have some type of business, you know? And I say, yeah, you're right. You're right. But I wasn't ready. I can admit mm-hmm. that I was not ready. I was like, no, I'm not ready. I'm not going to do this. I don't want to make a mistake because I'm such a perfectionist at times that, you know, even though, you know, we all make mistakes, but I don't, I take that really hard if I'm failing and not succeeding uh, the way I want to. So, um, you know, I said, I don't know. I, I have to put things together. And, and that hesitation, right, to start this, like, like would the, would the world receive this the way I see it? Like, would they receive me and, and my business the way I would want them to? And so it's just so many different challenges that can come in the, in the way, especially being a woman. It's um, not easy. And so from there, I just said, okay, uh, I'm going to keep going. And I then made a move and left working with 50 to going to Madison Square Garden and working for one of the world's greatest arenas and started building up my name in the sponsorship world and just securing sponsorships for the arena and just so many different deals. And I was like, okay, this is fun. Now I know I really got to, like, you know, put everything else 
to the side and focus on my business because that's where my heart was. No matter what I was doing, and even though I enjoyed working for a company, my heart was calling me to separate because what was happening is in certain certain deals that I wanted to put together, they were not able to come together because people didn't understand the vision. And when you don't understand the vision or, you know, one brand gets it but the other one doesn't, it's kind of hard to explain that. And I said, okay, at least if I was doing this from my own company, then it would be a little bit better. So before you went to um, Madison Square Garden and you were like mm-hmm. really saying to yourself, yeah, I, you know, can I do this business now? And you, you said that you were not ready. Why mm-hmm. do you feel you were not ready? Because so that's, at, at because least from where I'm, I'm sitting, <laughs> you had put together like an insane portfolio of experience. But what was yeah. your hesitation? What was what was that voice inside of you saying? Like, talk about that that, voice, that, that insecurity. Yeah. yeah, that insecurity was um, just scared. You know, scared. And and what's the saying? They say in business that if your dreams don't scare you, then you're not. What is it? You're not dreaming, right? Like like you're not really dreaming mm-hmm. big enough. And so, to me. I was a little nervous. I said, okay, do I have the right team? I don't have a team. I don't have a team. I don't have coworkers or, you know, partners or co-founders that could help me put this together. So I had to then just, you know, put my faith in the Lord and say, okay, I need some type of guidance because my heart is calling me to do this. Because at that point, my heart was no longer really being at MSG. I was like, okay, this is great. Right. I came in here, did a, did a couple of deals. I'm bored now. And that's, that's something that I also realized that, I would get bored easily at the job, so I needed more. And I said, okay, this is not going to work for me. I needed more. And at the time, um, a good friend of mine who's the manager of Nas, we were discussing a few things, and another gentleman by the name of Tristan Walker had his new product that he was coming out with, and he was like, hey, Max, I need some type of influencers. And, you know, we started discussing different ideas and different options and different influencers that we could put together to help create that partnership. And from there, it became a situation where Nas was involved, and we ended up getting Nas involved to be the brand ambassador and part, you know, owner and investor. And I was like, okay, I want to be an investor. Um, I want to be able to help people, right? Like, I I wanted to be able to create more of those partnerships and more of those, um, just more of those brand ambassador um, opportunities. And I just kept sitting back and I said, yeah, I got to do this. This is time. So I then left. So, um, interesting. I, At that point, mm-hmm. you were ready. It was time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I didn't care whether it was just myself. I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm gonna, I've been doing this by myself pretty much. So for now, I can do this. And then when I'm ready to build the right team, and, you know, I said, God, will put it all together for me. So um, I then decided to start consulting more. And, I mean, the deals were coming in. It was so many opportunities. There was an opportunity to work with Floyd Mayweather for his big fight with Manny Pacquiao and, you know, producing a huge pay-per-view concert with artists like Nicki Minaj. And I was like, wait, you know, no hold bars, no one stopping me. Like, you know, I I see the vision. I have it. Here's the idea. And I'm going to take it all the way and make sure I execute this idea. And that's what ended up happening. So from there, it kind of just took off. It took off. And then um, you know, having one of the things I will say that all, not just all women, but just people in general, especially if you're a boss, you always have to have some type of mentor or someone that 
you can look up to and, and talk to that's going to give you their honest opinion whether or not it's, it's going to work. And for me, I was blessed to have a mentor. Um, ended up now, if you ask me, I have like, what, two, two to three. But one of the main ones for me um, is my good mentor, who's actually now one of my business partners. Um, and his name is uh, Michael Roberts. And he's just awesome, extensive history in the sports and entertainment business. And you know, he's just always, always there when I need him. Um, and, you know, he told me, he's like, you get your experience in these companies, but, you know, then you can go out and do your own thing, you know, because then there'll be so much more to present to someone. And so when I said to him, well, is this the right idea for me to go and do this? And he said, what is your heart telling you? And I said, well, my heart's telling me to do this, even though I'm a little nervous, but my heart's telling me to do it. And he said, follow your heart. He said, because I can tell you, you know, otherwise, but you're going to do what you want to do at the end of the day. So you got to follow your heart. But one of the things I try to say, okay, I can follow my heart, but what, but what if my heart steers me wrong? So, you know, I would then have to say, okay, what is my gut telling me? Because my heart's telling me one thing now. What, how does my gut feel? You know, like, like, what does this feel like? What is that feeling? Is it a burning sensation where it's like, oh. Uh, I'm so nervous, or is it something that's saying, okay, you know, just go for it. And so the biggest thing for me was just trying it. At least if I try, then I can say, okay, I tried it, it didn't work. And I could always go back into the corporate world if, you know, mm-hmm. it, it didn't work. So um, I then started to build my company. And one of the things that attracted me was just knowing so many people within the business and seeing um, how some of these guys that I knew, whether they were athletes, they were going broke by the time they were 30. Some of these artists, same thing. So I said, no, there's got to be more to it. And how are these, how are these celebrities building um, their brand? And how are they creating different revenue streams? Because that was the biggest thing. Like, okay, if they stop making music or they stop playing a sport, what are they doing outside of that? And how are they going to sustain? How are they going to live uh, beyond that? And that is how the birth of MLN Ventures came about, um, and MLN Ventures is pretty much the, I guess you could say the VC firm, the venture capital firm, where I'm bridging the gap between Hollywood, tech, sports, music, media, and entrepreneurship, and bringing all of these different industries together to take let's say, an athlete, and help them invest, not just in tech, because it can be general tech, but it can be real estate tech, it can be sports tech, it can be music tech. Mm-hmm. And so bu- building, you know, bringing everyone together to create that system, to create that hub of some great, great ideas that's uh, changing the future. You know, you came up with this idea, you're dealing with the top celebrities and um mm-hmm you know, athletes, and it's got to be a little intimidating. How do you deal with all this? Um, I, I stay focused on the business, honestly. I stay focused mm-hmm. on the business. Um, I always keep business first, maybe too much sometimes, but um, I stay focused on the business. And also, too, what keeps me going is, like, my grandmother is my hero, right? And so when I, you know, I see this woman that came from Ghana when she was young, and she's 
you know, first got a chance to go to Germany and model and then come to the States. And, you know, when she ended up having my mom and, you know, more children after that, kind of all those dreams kind of, they stopped because she became a mother. And the fact that she sacrificed her life to raise me, you know, I was like, okay, I want to create something to help her. And she keeps me going just because of, um, you know, she's just so strong. And she always tells me, you know, don't, don't, don't feel like you can't accomplish things. You know, a million people are going to tell you you can't do it. But, you know, you can do it. And you have to always show people that, you know, fight against those odds and show them that you can do it. And so with, with MLM Ventures, that's what we're doing. I've spoken to a few VCs. And, you know, I was told from some that, ah, I don't think it's going to work, you know. And I was like, no, it's not going to work. I mean, you're a woman, so it's going to be really hard. And then you're an African-American woman, so it's going to be even um, tougher for you. But, you know, when I look at some of the women today who are just doing amazing things in the tech space and just in the VC world, I'm like, man, who said that this is going to be tough? They should have never told me that I can't do it. Because when you tell me I can't, that just means I can and th- and that just means I'm going to do it. Like, I'm going to. It's a must. And you're going to see that, you know, this is going to happen. You deal with challenges by bulldozing your way right through it and believing in yep. yourself. It's what I'm yep. hearing, and, which is amazing. And I, and I will say I also thank 50 Cent for that, too, because he, he told me that also. He said, don't. He said, show people what you are made of. Knock down those doors. So, you know, sometimes people will say, well, it must be good. And I said, no. Because if we fast forward, right, if we go back in time to the internship days, right, and remember when I said I just had that first interview with Atlantic and it took so long, only, it took long only for them to tell me I didn't get that internship. Or when I went for a, a different, you know, position, let's say at another company that I've tried to apply for, hey, you know, you get the door slammed in your face, but you, you pick your face up <laughs> and you just keep going. You just keep going. So, there are times where there are certain celebrities that I have always admired or always wanted to work with. When you come in contact with them, it's a little bit different than what you've always imagined. And, you know, sometimes you get rejected. But I, I believe it or not, the rejection just fuels the fire for me. It, it fuels the fire for me. It just keeps me going. So you, you really are in such a challenging industry. Um, and again, in terms of dealing with entertainers and athletes and uh-huh. business and <laughs> yes. VC and, you know, blazing trails for um, black women, which is just incredible. So let's talk about what advice you have for our listeners who have huge sure. dreams and are, but say to themselves, Ooh, I don't know if I can do it or it's scary or but there are so many obstacles. What advice do you have for our listeners? The best thing I would say is your opinion matters most. However, you can take the opinions and listen to the opinions of others. Take, use all of that as great feedback, right? And com- compile all of that, including your dreams. And if someone tells you that you can't do something, but your gut and your heart is telling you that I, I can do this, you're supposed to be doing it. But if someone can easily tell you, no, you shouldn't be doing this, and you can steer away and say, well, yeah, maybe this person's right, then that wasn't really a dream to begin with. So Mm -hmm. my biggest thing to the listeners is to keep your opinion first. Your opinion matters most. 
um, everything that you do, give it a thousand percent. Give it a thousand percent. Um, you know, make sure you know your industry better than anyone else. Know your industry. Know who the key players are. Know who the know who the the rookies are, as I like to say, because it's it's one thing to know who the key players are because you'll see all those top execs, but know who the rookies are because those rookies are going to be the key players. They could become a key player within a year. They could become a key player within five years. But know, know your industry like the back of your hand. Um, and just, you know, keep God first. Keep God first. Continue, you know, to, to pray every day and, and use a journal. Use a journal. Write it down. Write those yeah, things down. I want down to go back be to able that. To go back. <laughs> yeah, write those Maggie, things that down. journal, okay? <laughs> I mean, I think, you, you know, really, I think it's so incredibly important. It's journaling, manifesting, you know, what you've talked about in terms of really working hard, knowing your, your stuff, you know, pushing the boundaries. Yeah. And the, the third thing that you mentioned a few minutes ago was also finding a mentor. So if you could just yes. talk for a couple of minutes about how you did that, because as I said, you're not in the, uh, an easy industry. No. So how'd you make that no, happen? No, no. <laughs> so let me tell you, in the music business, it was crazy. It was so hard to find a mentor. I felt like a lot of the women, and there weren't many, they just didn't want to hand out that helping hand. But if you fast forward now, there's a lot of them that are willing to speak to me, but I'm not so willing to speak to them now because I'm like, oh, it's like five years ago. You know, you don't want to answer my email. But, um, you know, continue to reach out. Be persistent. Um, networking is key. I tell people I couldn't do, I couldn't have done half of the things that I've done or continue to do the things that I do without a good network. Um, for me, finding a mentor is so key. It's so important. You know, you find someone, obviously, that you want to marry your career after, but you don't just see someone and say, okay, I want that person as my mentor. You know, you obviously build that relationship. And for me, one of my female mentors who I adore is um, Bozomo St. John, who's like the chief brand officer at Uber. And I met her years ago through her, it was actually her old boss at Pepsi, uh, Frank Cooper, that put us together. And I met him at a music conference, and I really just wanted to kind of, I really wanted him to kind of take me under his wing. But he then said to me, I'm going to introduce you to someone who I feel you guys are like just alike. And it didn't hurt that Bozomo is actually from the same country as my mom. So that actually made it even more, it made the connection even more better because we just understand each other. We kind of have similar values understanding the culture and, you know, where we're from. And, um, you know, he put us together and I then saw her at um, different conferences and I was like, yeah, this woman is amazing, amazing, amazing. And from there, we would talk, you know, every so often and I asked her for feedback on some things and, you know, from there, it just kind of took off and um, she's still one of my good uh, mentors today. And then, of course, Michael Roberts, who I met Oof, mm -hmm. I met him years ago at a conference, actually. It was a sports, um, it was the Ivy League sports conference that I met him at. And at that time, I was still trying to get into sports. And we just started, you know, connecting, we connected over coffee, and come to find out we had so many mutual relationships. And I was like, yeah, this guy is awesome. Like, he's so smooth, and he's smart, he knows his stuff. And, you know, he was then, we would talk, you know, like, 
every other week or so. And we just built, you know, we just started building from there that fast forward. Now we um, have our own agency together called the LA Agency. So that is um, launching top of 2018. That is pretty much a sports and entertainment agency. We're providing just management, consulting, all these different services. So I'd say stay tuned. There's a lot more other good stuff with that. Um, and yeah, and it's interesting because it took us years before we could say, okay, let's just become business partners too. Um, and he always laughs because he'll say he's not my mentor, but uh, you know, it's people like him and Bozomo that keep me going. And, and I look at their careers and I see what they're doing and I'm like, man, I don't think they could do or sometimes I sit back and I'm like, man, I don't think Rosomo could top this now because she did this. And a month later, it's this. And then I look at him and it's like a month later, he's like closing a real estate deal with like Shaquille O'Neal or like Magic Johnson. And I'm just like, well, you know, I'm like, Ugh, I can't keep up with that, you know? So um, Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. <laughs> so, you absolutely can, Maggie. <laughs> you so, are a I mega... Know. Boss girl. <laughs> no, not, wow. not even, not not even. But the one thing, once again, is is definitely find that mentor. You know, stay grounded. I, I see people too that they reach a level and they just they don't um you know they they kind of change a little bit. And I always you know whether I do speaking engagements, I always my door is always open. You know, my phone is I'm always available unless it's like late, late, late night. But I'm usually up. And I tell people, you know, feel free to call me if you have any questions. And I try to, because I know what that's like to be in that position because I was there. And, I, and at times, I feel like I'm still there. I feel people all the time. Right. The reason why I, I do what I do, but I, how I maneuver is because I, I'm still an intern. And some people are like, huh? I'm like, I'm still an intern because I'm, I'm still learning. I'm learning every day. I'm learning every day. And so uh, until, you know, I don't know when, but... I still consider myself like the grown intern, you know. So, yeah, until you completely conquer the world, which you're on your path. Yeah, that too. But <laughs> even then, I'll still be, I'll still be that intern trying to conquer the world, you know. And and I just want to. I'll probably say I would no longer be an intern when I can have at least one or two females say, "Hey." You know, I was able to accomplish this because of your advice, or you helped me. You know. Um, accomplish my dreams and that makes me happy because I just know as a woman it's not easy it is not easy Maggie this was fabulous so much to think about so much great advice and <laughs> yes. I want to thank you so much yes. for thank um, you joining us today so no, again thank, well, thank you, you Maggie and this was Mind of a Mentor